Cuckoo, everyone. Cuckoo. Welcome to Europhile. This is Kate Walker. And I'm Catherine Rory. Cats. Hello. Hi. How was your week? My week was good. What did I even do? Like, let's just say two two weeks ago was not great. But I've mm-hmm. I've turned a corner. I'm feeling better. <laughs> We're out of Mercury retrograde. We're out of Mars retrograde. Thank God. I have been going on hot girl walks yeah. in the sunshine and honestly yeah, that'll like help. oh yeah. wow people have been saying that for years or you know especially these hot girl walks move have, your body get yeah, outside be what? outside Shut that'll up. you'll feel better and I'm like <laughs> oh wow as a 28 year old I'm finally figuring that out yeah. so that yeah. has been a nice new routine of mine is going on long walks in the neighborhood mm-hmm. Things have been low-key. Like we said, we're still kind of in our chrysalis era in our last up. Mm-hmm. We talked about that. I still feel like I'm in that. Are you? Oh, 1,000%. I mean, yeah. it didn't help last weekend when we had a bunch of girls over and went crazy. We lost our goddamn minds. <laughs> <laughs> like, we had a fondue party, and honestly, I don't know where all the wine went. I do know where it went. <laughs> I do. <laughs> But why is the question? There were, no, what, 10 bottles of wine, maybe, and all gone. I can't even think about it, honestly. We had questionable wine that we've been holding on to for who knows how long. (laughs) And we were like, oh, that was drank. Yeah. Um, We had that. Like, was it good? Was it bad? Yeah. I don't remember. Who opened it? We went out to the- I probably opened it. We, (laughs) probably. We went to the bar, to a bar. (sighs) Don't yeah. know where I was the whole time. No. It was a bit of a mess. I it know. was fun. I asked a man literally three, time where, three times where he was from, <laughs> and he was like, New Zealand. And I was like, oh, so you're a Kiwi three times. I literally repeated <laughs> saying, oh, you're a Kiwi three times. And, he's and this like, man slowly back. No, he was like slowly backing away. Like, you know, the meme of like the little cartoon fading into the bush yeah yes. that was that man Simpsons. i was yeah. like what i remember anyway whatever yeah I'm, i am a grown woman yeah you know that was the fun party we um, we did a good job it was, it was delicious fondue delicious wine this is so fun getting girls together it's so it fun so the much. best company yeah i'm glad yeah. we did that we got so much good gossip like, yep. yeah it was, mm-hmm. it was very fun yeah and had fondue that was questionable because I also wasn't uh, super sober dealing with that. So anyways, <laughs> We were not whatever. cooking sober. <laughs> oh, God. Time. It was good, though. I know. <laughs> but anyways, it is mm-hmm. my week yes. this week. I am a fragile being. I am coming off of having pink eye or whatever. I don't even know. Yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> I know. And I was like, you know, let's get a little juicy 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 story okay okay Okay. good we are going to travel to i would say mainly france and italy is what i would say here however it's american origins okay Mm, okay and we're going to talk about the life of the world's arguably most influential art collector post-world war ii (gasps) marguerite peggy guggenheim Oh, oh my God. Okay, not who I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say Gertrude Stein. No. Okay. 
Oh my god. Okay, also, great. Also great collection, but no. <laughs> Peggy Guggenheim was born in New York City, August 26th, 1898. She was a Virgo. Virgo? Okay. I get it. Uh -huh. I already understand. Born to a Jewish family, turn of the century. Okay. Okay. And it was said that not just Peggy was, you know, an interesting figure in her family. Apparently her mother, Florette Seligman, I think that's how you say her last name, came from a family of bankers and she okay. had like OCD and I guess she had to repeat things three times. But obviously oh. this is seen as like a silly eccentricity rather than probably OCD. Right. Okay. Got it. And she had an aunt who said she would sing everything she was saying. <sighs> so just like kind of like a funny, kooky, you know, it's funny when you're rich. Right. Type yes. of thing. You know, yes, got it's it. eccentric. Mm -hmm. It's not sad. Yes. Okay. And totally her the father, type. Benjamin Guggenheim, was a member of a prominent mining family. So the Guggenheim Museum is right. named after her uncle. Wealth. Wealth. Solomon impossible yeah. amounts mm -hmm. of wealth yes for peggy she obviously grew up wealthy and she hated everyone in their like circle she found it extremely boring okay everyone wasn't you know mm. exciting they weren't living these amazing lives they were just rich okay so her dad died on the little rms titanic when she was oh 13 oh my god duh yes okay yes I've, yeah. i do didn't know that he is so interesting too like he could be a whole other person to research i mean i don't know how much he has to do with europe specifically but he basically had abandoned their family and was coming back to visit the kids oh and my that's god. when yeah <gasps> Yeah, okay. he wow. had like mistresses, I think, or yeah. one mistress. Anyway, he was a piece of shit. Anyway, uh -huh. at 19, she inherited her father's money. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. In the family of Guggenheim's, like she, their like branch was considered poor. Comparative Benjamin really to the didn't rest. make the same amount of millions as uh -huh. like Solomon. Mm -hmm. She inherited about $2.5 million, which today is $40 million. Oh, at age 19. Is she going to be responsible? Let's find out. <laughs> so <laughs> with that money, she goes, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and Are you boring she prudes? goes to work at this avant-garde bookstore in new york city okay and here's where she gets introduced to radicals mm. free thinkers mm -hmm. turn of the century bohemian like we're not quite in bohemian land yet but yeah. we're you know oh, getting introduced it. to these ideas yeah a year later in 1921 she goes to paris oh that'll and... change a girl <laughs> oh it changed peggy in paris is where she found her love for sex and art. Of course. So here she in is Paris. in Paris. <laughs> and, you know, her whole life, she was not considered a beauty. Okay. She was self-conscious about the, you know, Guggenheim, quote-unquote, nose. Okay. And her grandfather had the same nose, and they would call it a potato nose. So, I, I mean, I don't. we've all seen pictures of Peggy Guggenheim, uh -huh. I think, like on her gondola in Venice right. with those like cool 
you know, sunglasses. But even as a younger woman, she was, I didn't, I don't think she's ugly, but I would not call her, you know. Yeah, a beauty of her time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, she is just in Paris soaking everything up here. Yeah, 20s Meeting everyone. Yes. She is there at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Where all of this art, all of these amazing ideas, all these free thinkers are at cafes. Yep. And she's there with her millions. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I'm like, this is painful for me because I want it so bad. (laughs) I know. (laughs) We're a hundred years too late, you know? Yeah. But um... a couple millions short. (laughs) yeah and like even when she was younger she had had picture this a nose job that kind of got botched (gasps) a little bit they they called it like a primitive nose job because it wasn't like you know obviously they don't have the technology that they have today or like you know Uh the resources that they have today so basically every time there would be like inclement weather she would know because her nose would swell oh my god okay yeah so poor preggy yeah that is a huge risk to take to do something like that yeah but she was like you know yeah insecure or upset about yeah Yeah. and i think people didn't let her forget that either so fuck everyone okay so here we go okay i'm so excited let's (gasps) talk about these men okay peggy guggenheim wrote a memoir okay it was called out of the century but it was originally meant to be called five husbands and some other men <laughs> peggy <laughs> we love and it was believed during her time in europe that she had slept with over a thousand men which i'm sure to some men is light work you know yeah let's be honest she claimed to have affairs with you know numerous artists and mm-hmm. writers mm-hmm. this is this is name dropping galore this i won't what name I them all for. but it is crazy it is the roster is rostering <laughs> the ro- like it is the who's who of the art world literary world really crazy i i'll name some okay she was asked later in life how many husbands she had had and she said you mean my own or other people's (sighs) peggy (laughs) oh yeah and she was obviously drawn to people with intellect and artistic passion and yeah a lot of you know during this time like that doesn't necessarily mean that they're like a safe option yes or a good option or a secure option yeah and so there's roller coasters of affairs yeah that are happening some are abusive right so Peggy's first marriage was to Lawrence Vale. He was an American who was raised in Paris, and he was called the King of Bohemia. Okay. He's like this free-thinking, popular guy. Uh He was not Jewish, which she liked about him. He's blonde-haired, you know, just like completely different than her. Right, right, okay. Grew up in a much different way. Mm -hmm. She basically... Or there were reports that she basically like pushed him down the aisle. Like she's okay. like forcing yeah. this. She, she was, was like, much more in love one, with him like, than yeah. he was with her. It's said that she didn't even buy a wedding dress when she went to the church because she didn't think he was going to show <gasps> up. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, Peggy. 
This is the relationship, though, with Lawrence Vale that did turn abusive. Okay, I was and afraid of that. Yeah, he would knock her down in the street. Like, <gasps> he had no, like, he wasn't private about this no. at all. No. She said all she had to offer up was her money in that yeah. relationship. Yeah. She, cause she couldn't contribute to, like, his, like, bohemian, free-thinking. Right. Yeah. She wasn't artistic. Uh-huh. She wasn't literary. He just wanted her for her money. She was just around, yeah. She just, I feel like she's just like a person who had good taste, you know? Yeah. Or like is like trying to navigate taste and how that, what that means for her. Mm -hmm. She was like, you know, all I had was my money and he's like, okay to live on it. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, that's how that relationship went. Mm -hmm. However, John Farrar Holmes was by her account, the love of her life. Okay. Like, he was a writer, and they had had an affair. I think he was British. And they were together for a while, and maybe like five years, and he had, he broke some bones one day and basically, like, was just going to get them operated on. Like, it was like a fairly routine um, procedure. Uh-huh, and, like, at her house... Uh-huh. was getting this operation and then he passed away <gasps> and they didn't know what happened that is he was horrible. a he was an alcoholic so they were like maybe oh. he just you oh. know that was a very volatile relationship oh, okay and then her second marriage was to surrealist painter max ernst oh um oh. who she met during the war okay and for Ernst, he obviously was attracted to this, like, Guggenheim name. He, like, right. knew she had money. She is smitten. Like, she yeah. loves this man. <sighs> and he, is, it's classic, tales all his time, leaves her for someone younger. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. It said that one of her most interesting relationships was with, or affairs, uh-huh. I should say, yeah. was with Samuel Beckett, who she met mm. at a dinner held by James Joyce. Okay. Jesus, I love all these names. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's name dropping. Like, I had to edit out names yeah. in here. Yeah. So I was like, this is too much. Too crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when they met, they had spent four days together in a hotel and basically only opened the door for room service yeah oh my god obsessed okay i love that yeah want that (laughs) she also had brief affairs with constantine brancusi which i don't Uh know if that's the way how you say his name and then jean arp so you know who's who of the art world Yeah. yeah you know she goes to paris and here she is in 1938 being like shit i need to leave yes yeah so she opens this gallery in london called guggenheim jeune Uh guggenheim jeune held solo exhibitions for jean cocteau Mm -hmm. vasily kandinsky Mm -hmm. like really fun new coming surrealist Mm -hmm. artists of course she knew who they all were Nero, mm-hmm. Magritte. Jesus. Okay. The list goes on. Yeah. You know, she had no formal training. She just is like, I have money and I like this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you do too. <laughs> yeah. Like, Excellent taste. There's even a little fun like tale that Picasso. <laughs> so she went to go visit Picasso at his studio and he was like, Madame, you will find the lingerie department on the second floor. He basically like, didn't know who she was, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and yeah, she's got this great taste in this amazing gallery and basically is showing eventually shows you know his work 
on April 10th, 1940, the day after Hitler's troops entered Denmark and Norway, Guggenheim, she goes in, I don't know why, this is like during World War II, she goes to Paris uh-huh. and rents an apartment on the Place Vendôme, uh-huh. which obviously, you know, is a very mm-hmm. luxe address, Yeah, and had the... <laughs> The, like, the cherubs chopped off the wall. Like, all of this. She made a gallery. Okay. So she's, like, chopping off all of the amazing woodwork <laughs> okay, in this Peggy. Parisian apartment. Uh-huh. Trying to, yeah, I know. You know, repaint the apartment to display some of her art. And she was like, well, uh, shit. I am Jewish. Yes. I really shouldn't stay here. So then she goes to the Louvre. And is like, hi, can you please protect my art? Can you (gasps) put this in your vaults? Yeah. And they're like, Kandinsky? Uh, no. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, (laughs) no, we're not saving that shit. We're saving... Da Vinci. Greco-Roman art. (laughs) Yeah, Da Vinci. (laughs) Like, Picasso? No. Miro? No. (laughs) And so basically she had to beg one of her friends in Vichy mm-hmm. to use her wow. their barn <gasps> to save her art wow. in World War II. Wow. Miracle it survived. Crazy miracle. And so she she's like she's just staying in Paris though. Like no, she doesn't Peggy. leave. Okay. I know. She thinks she's like and untouchable probably because she is like so well basically well, you know what it was? She was dickmatized. Oh she that'll do it. Was <laughs> By who this time? I think it was Max Ernst. Oh, still Max. So, like, this is, like, when they had first met. Okay. (laughs) And um, she said, he is so beautiful because he is such a good painter and because he is so famous. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Whatever. Whatever you like. (laughs) Whatever is your thing. I don't know if it was still this, if it was Max Ernst or if there was, like, another another lover, but, like, she basically was, like, not leaving because... She was, you know, having an affair. Oh, no. Before she left, she was like, okay, well, since I'm not making this gallery museum idea that I was going to be doing, I am going to put myself on a buying regime to buy art. And she's going to buy a picture a day. Uh, Okay. Or painting a day. And when finished, she had acquired... Okay, this is, we're name dropping. Okay, so mm-hmm. 10 Picassos, 40 Ernsts, countless Moreaus, Magritte, Man Ray, Dali, <sighs> Chagall. Like, Jesus, what a yeah. dream. She saved all of this. Wow. She hears that the Germans are coming to Paris now. Yeah. Like, they're obviously went through Scandinavia. Yeah. And now they're going to go to Paris. And she's like, shit, shit, shit. Okay, yeah, it's I real. Jewish. Fled to the south of France. And then in 1941, she flees France Uh and goes to New York with her ex-husband, his new wife, Uh and their children, Max Ernst, who is her lover at the time, and then her own children from their first marriage. Okay, what a fun group. What a fun little quirky little group, okay? (laughs) And so she spends some time, I won't go too into this but she spent some time in new york obviously during the war mm-hmm. and opens up a gallery and it's called the art of this century okay she really is like leaning into the idea of curating a museum right. now 
Okay. Like that is her goal. Okay. Yeah. Jesus. All so funded she's by like, her own wealth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd love to do that. I mean, that. I'm sure there's people who like lent art too, but yeah. Yeah. This is like basically her collection. Yeah. She is in her second significant like collecting period. And this is when she discovers Jackson Pollock. I won't <sighs> go so into this, yeah. but you know, and then she has him in residence. So she's oh. like, quit your fucking job. Yes. And do this full time. Yes. You're talented. Yeah. I'll help like, you. Probably. He was a carpenter and she was like, gave him a studio, gave him a, yeah. give him an apartment <gasps> and like gave Peggy. him like a stipend and like, wow. just did that for him. Yeah. Amazing. There's also a funny story. <laughs> they used to fight, I guess. And <laughs> I don't remember what it was. They, I don't even think that they said specifically but basically one day he was so pissed they got into a fight and he went into her apartment and peed in her fireplace (laughs) (laughs) see that is the type of shit where you're like wow these stories are so funny and but it's like are they yeah yeah it is a funny story but you're like whoa yeah it's like if someone did that now yeah so world war ii ends she divorces Max mm-hmm. Ernst. On to the next. Uh, she closes her gallery in 1947 and decides to return to Europe. Mm-hmm. So she said, I would too. Ooh, you're going to love this. Okay. I loved Europe more than America. When the war ended, I couldn't wait to go back. On my way there, I decided Venice would be my future home. Uh-huh. I had always loved it more than any place on earth and felt I would be happy alone there. Okay, so I'm sorry. This is really long, but it's so beautifully written. Okay, I'm ready. This is from her her memoir. It's always assumed that Venice is the ideal place for a honeymoon. This is a grave error. To live in Venice or even to visit means that you fall in love with the city itself. There is nothing left over in your heart for anyone else. (laughs) After your first visit, you are destined to return at every possible chance or with every possible excuse. There is no staying away for long. Every hour of the day is a miracle of light. In summer, with daybreak, the rising sun produces such a tender magic on the water that it nearly breaks one's heart. As the hours progress, the light becomes more and more violent until it envelops the city with a diamond-like haze. Ugh. Then it commences slowly to sink into the magic sunset, the capo lavoro of the day, which means masterpiece. This is the moment to be on the water. It is imperative. The canals lure you, call to you, cry to you to come and embrace them from a gondola. Day after day, one is drawn from the terra firma, which just means solid ground, to float in the lagoon, to watch the sunset, or to go gently past the palaces, seeing their images reflected in the canal. Their reflections are like paintings, more beautiful than any painted by the greatest masters. If anything can rival Venice in its beauty, it must be its reflection at sunset in the Grand Canal. I'm crying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm crying. Isn't that amazing? She loved it. That's so beautiful. I've never even been there. And like, wow, that is so beautiful. I love when people talk about places they love. Things they love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that is is beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. I knew you'd like it. And when I read that, I was like, whoa. Yeah. (laughs) So she was invited in 1948 to exhibit her obvious, immense, amazing collection Mm -hmm. at the Venice Biennale. 
so you know she's sort of getting invited into venice society basically and then in 1949 she established herself in palazzo Benier de Leone, which just means unfinished palazzo of the lions on the Grand mm. Canal. Mm-hmm. And the exhibition of her collection in the Biennale basically just was like, okay, you need to ha- exhibit your collection full time yeah. here now. You know, she obviously redecorated the palace, it was unfinished, so she finished it. Uh-huh. And she opens her house to the public. Uh, several days a week, basically, you know, it's like her Come house, look. but it's obviously a museum. Wow. She herself goes around patrolling and like talking to people, asking people as they leave, like, what did you think of the paintings? Yeah. Then if they didn't understand, she would say, this is the most Virgo shit I've ever heard. Come back again in 50 years. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like you'll get it then. Yes. Basically. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you don't get it now. Yeah. Peggy knew. This is like a cute, fun thing that I just saw. I fuck with this bitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, at the age of 51, she took up sunbathing on the roof of her palazzo, which was directly across the canal from the police station. <gasps> of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good for her. <laughs> God, that sounds delicious. Sunbathing yeah. on the roof so, of your palace in Venice. Okay. So, I mean... There are so many photos of Peggy Guggenheim that are simply iconic. Yeah. Like, and I don't use that term lightly, yes. but you're like, whoa. Like, what a magical time, yes. A, to be alive, yes. and B, to have that much money B. and, mm-hmm. like, discretion to do whatever the hell yes. you want to be doing. Yes. And you're, like... She, she did exactly what I would have wanted to do. Yeah. She had such a late start in life. She basically didn't start living alone until she was 40. Right. Oh, my. Like, yeah. collecting. Yeah. That really makes me feel good because I'm like, wow, she was like a late bloomer, too. Yes. Obviously, she was a millionaire, so. Yeah. <laughs> Much different. Yeah. So she continues to grow her collection with Italian artists okay. now. Basically, she transfers her collection to the Salem Guggenheim Foundation in 1976, which okay. is, you know, like the Guggenheim Museum mm-hmm. that we mm-hmm. see. Obviously, it's not the same museum in New York City. She has her own museum uh-huh. in Venice. Right, right. But it's part of that foundation. Okay. Obviously, she herself is not this artist she's not like this literary genius she's not this amazing beauty muse yeah but she is this woman who sought beauty and she was seeking an existence as sort of like a free spirit like free spirit in what way that she can have the wherewithal to do whatever she wants with whomever and wherever and yeah she was a woman who had her portrait taken taken by Man Ray. She, mm-hmm. you know, like Marcel Duchamp basically taught her the difference between abstract and like surrealism. Uh-huh. And like, you know, she was running off to Paris to meet Samuel Beckett in her free time, like yeah. spending days in hotel. Like she has just such an interesting life. Yeah. So she had lived in Venice until she had had a stroke in 1979 mm. where she was basically there until the end of her life her ashes are interred in the garden of her home oh. next to her dogs oh wow yeah. oh and to be peggy the... she did Whoa. that Proud of crazy her. life 
there is so much more Ugh. like there is tell me about it later <laughs> crazy <laughs> i want to know more <laughs> crazy cra- i mean crazy tangents you could go on right about just a specific affair yes. with someone yeah i'm sure or like this specific time in her life yeah you know in new york or right in paris or in venice yeah like she didn't stop like living effing around she did give up sex for the end of her life though. oh she did but, yeah she yeah Mm. And she did have her own gondola. Oh my god, are you kidding? I want that. (laughs) Wow, I want everything about her life. She did say at the end of her life when she was, like, writing her memoir, I think she was like, why did I stay in Paris and not help people? Yeah. She did have a regret about that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So that was just the life of Peggy Guggenheim. God, I love that. Mm. And... You are going to die at my mini topic because, uh, once again, we are very synced without even knowing about Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So my mini topic, um, we're going to stay in in Italy, in Venice. Okay. And we are going to talk about Marchesa Luisa Cassati, who Mm -hmm. was born 23rd of January, 1881. So a little eccentric Aquarius very wealthy woman news mm. etc mm. so she was an italian textile heiress and her both mm-hmm. of her parents passed away by the time she was 15 so she and her older sister francesca became with the death of their parents became the wealthiest women in italy so again we love to see it guggenheim level mm-hmm. wealth for young girls okay. like not far okay. from peggy you know who got it at what mm-hmm. 19 you said so she was really eccentric. She was tall and thin with flaming red hair, green eyes, mm-hmm. and she would always wear like insane false lashes and like a ton of <laughs> liner, eyeliner. So mm-hmm. like she just had like a really distinct look. Mm-hmm. And she captivated artists like Jean Cocteau, who you already mentioned, mm-hmm. Cecil Beaton, who appears in every other episode, I feel like, of our podcast, mm-hmm. Colette, Elsa Scaparelli, Coco Chanel. Numerous portraits mm-hmm. are painted of her, sculptures made in her likeness. Um, and also, she sat for portraits for Man Ray, like Peggy. So, mm-hmm. like, these women knew each other. The palazzo in Venice that Peggy owned, she bought from Luisa. So yeah. literally mm-hmm. perfect tie-in. Like, are you kidding? When you told me mm-hmm. it was Peggy, I was like, wow, this is really crazy. Here's a fun little story. Accompanied by her pet boa constrictor, she once checked into the Ritz Hotel in Paris where the <sighs> boa constrictor escaped. So like no normal things like that were happening in her life. <laughs> she was constantly like dripping in jewelry and mm-hmm. she inspired the Panther design for Cartier. Mm-hmm. Very famous design. Wow. Her parties at her villa in Venice were legendary, mm-hmm. you know, with artists, designers, musicians, basically any one of Peggy's group were probably there mm-hmm. in attendance. <laughs> yeah. And she employed... Peggy probably slept with, yeah, you know, they, Yeah, they definitely slept with the same men, I would <laughs> wager to bet. <laughs> yeah. She employed servants who dressed in gold leaf, and she had, like really weird wax mannequins that she would sit at her dining room table some of them were rumored to contain ashes of past lovers that is (laughs) 
That's not normal. <laughs> That's not normal. Yeah, she's That's not normal, Louisa. <laughs> she would wear live snakes <laughs> as jewelry. Medusa. <laughs> yes. Yeah, seriously. And she <laughs> would go on evening strolls, and she would only wear her furs. She, she'd be naked underneath. And she would walk oh God, her pet her. cheetahs on diamond-studded leashes. As one does. So by 1930, she had amassed, I think she's about 50 years old now, she had amassed a personal debt of $25 million at the time. So I don't know what that is now. Holy shit. Hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars. And her personal possessions were auctioned off. And Coco Chanel Hence was one plot, of the bidders. So. Yeah. Got, like everything. Mm-hmm. So she goes to London where she lives in like comparative poverty in a one bad- bedroom apartment Mm -hmm. and this is kind of sad she was rumored to be seen rummaging in garbage bins looking for feathers to decorate her hair and you're just like well like i don't know if there was mental health issues that came into play later in life and on june 1st 1957 she passed away at the age of 76 and she was buried in her black and leopard skin finery she wore a lot of animal furs Mm. And, of course, a pair of false eyelashes. And she was buried with one of her beloved stuffed Pekingese dogs. Oh. You know, that she had. And um, this is the, I'll end it here, but the inscription on her tombstone, I loved. It's it's from Shakespeare's Antony and Cleopatra. I think this goes for Peggy, too. Age cannot wither her, nor custom stale her infinite variety. Love that. Like, so unique, so special. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Peggy and Louisa are both like that. Peggy and Louisa, both women in Venice. I know. Doing what they want. Yeah, seriously. We love, and we love them for it. That was so great, Kate. I love that. Um, Marquesa, the, the brand is named after her. Oh my God, really? I didn't even see that. Oh, wow. I didn't even come across that in my research. Wow. Do you have a recommendation for me? I do. Okay, so (laughs) we have been watching movies. Uh One of the movies that we had watched, this like series kind of called Under the Rinchione Sun. (gasps) Loved. (laughs) Okay. It's Italian, obviously. We really started watching it because on Netflix, it was recommended to me the second one, which was called Under the Amalfi Suns. We were like watching it and I was like, why does this like seem so weird? Like, I don't know what's going on. And you were like, and then I like looked it up. You were like, is this giving you sequel vibes? And I was like, no, I don't think so. (laughs) I'm like, it was a sequel. What is happening? Like, (laughs) this girl's coming back from Canada and they're like meeting for the first time, like again. And I was like, who are these people? Like, I don't understand what's happening. (laughs) And I'm like, like, oh, I looked it up. Yeah, I looked it up and I was like, oh my God, it's a series. <laughs> so then we watched the series. Under the Rinchione Sun is, is silly and cute and fun. But the second one, yes. Under the Amalfi Sun. Yeah. Amalfi is the star it here. It is the star. So beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, And I, I was looking it up because obviously we had gone to Italy last year and we went to Amalfi. Yeah. And I was like, why is no one on this beach? Yeah, this isn't like, this isn't they're realistic saying to life. Summer. They're saying it's August. Yeah, and no one's and there. And not a, there's two people on this beach. <laughs> there's no one swimming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the most unrealistic part of that whole yeah. film. <laughs> but wow, it really made my heart ache for 
like, southern Italy. And we went to the town of Amalfi the yeah. most, I feel like. And mm-hmm. that's where they were. And yeah. I was just like, wow, it is so pretty. That yeah. church there, that square. Yes. The piazza. So yeah. pretty. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Anyway, wow. it's such a cute, like, silly, fun Sunday yeah. movie. <laughs> I texted my sister about it and I was like, if you want something cute and dumb to watch that's Italian because she is going on her honeymoon to Amalfi. I was like, watch uh-huh. that. And she responds. She was like, this yeah, is really corny. And I'm like, I literally set that up for, I was like, if you want silly and dumb fun, watch this movie. So <laughs> don't yeah. come for us. We know it's this silly. This is not the English patient. Yes. Um, this, this is not so. a work of art. This is These just, are a bunch of teenagers. This is teens. Smoking weed. Like, cute teens you know, getting up to high Playing beach volleyball. Yes. Yeah. So cute. So fun. That was a good wreck. So cute. What about you? I also have an Italian wreck, and it is Allison Roman's Amatriciana. Make it. Mm. People, make it. We had it last night for dinner, and I thought it was a great recipe. I mean, it was so easy. She gave us that really great pantry pasta like yeah. the my favorite yes she knows what she's pasta doing recipe with her yeah pasta. it's really great and oh my god it hit so bad because like it i is said very much like a cozy sunday just watching meal. like that move those movies that movie in amalfi thinking about rome i've been like sad i've been thinking about our trip and i'm like wow i wish we were going I there know. soon like i and so i, was, I needed stalking our pictures yes yes i like have wanted things to remind me of that trip so i needed a matriciana mm-hmm. and it was yeah it was so cozy very easy dinner like people make that and just my only advice to you is get good guanciale and crisp it up yeah anyway i like a crispy guanciale yeah Thank you, Kat, for that fun recommendation Thanks. and for making that for dinner. Yes. Happy to do it any <laughs> other time. Was happy. <laughs> Are you ready for okay, the word thank of the you, day? Everyone? Oh, shit. Yes. <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs> so our word of the day is sfiorare. God, I really sfiorare. am struggling with that. Sfiorare. There we go. We got to roll the R a little okay. bit and it sounds better. And it means to almost touch or to touch very lightly. And you know what I thought of immediately when I read this? Was... (laughs) Dorite movies. (laughs) Yes, 100%. I thought of atonement and I thought of when Robbie touches the water that Cecilia just jumped into. I was like, that's Fiorare. He doesn't break break the tension of the water. He just was like... He had, he couldn't help but touch the water that like touched Cecilia. Oh, oh, your yeah. right hands are elite. Yes. Never quit doing that. Never quit it. <laughs> Give the girls <laughs> what we days need. And what they want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again yeah. for that amazing topic, Kate. We love Peggy. We love Louisa. Yeah. We love our girlies. <laughs> we do. Thanks for listening, thank everyone. You, we'll catch you next time. Ciao. Ciao.